Good morning. Pastor Mark today is across town. He's preaching in another church today. You shouldn't feel jealous. He's filling the pulpit over at Cornerstone as Pastor Joe is on sabbatical this week. And and I get the joy of somebody to come in kind of midway through his two-month sabbatical and Pastor Mark is there. And I get the joy to be here with you, the family, and uh, to look at the Word together. Uh, We're going to be looking today a little bit about this idea of legacy of what we have the ability of, of passing on beyond ourselves. And the fact that we do have the ability of doing that, not only in our families, but also in our friendships and the relationships that God brings in our lives. And that in every phase of our lives, we have those opportunities of influence. Today we're going to be reading from Galatians chapter 6, looking at verses 7 through 9. And in it, we're going to see that There's really a theology of a lot of things, like a theology of work in this passage, uh, of influence. We'll be looking about how it does affect even providence and how the things do happen to our lives for a purpose and often because we first did something and there becomes a cause and effect. So Galatians chapter 6 verses 7 through 9, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Then verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this passage, and it is used in so many different ways in the church and has become this kind of rubber band elastic thing around so many areas, Lord. But Lord, help it to influence and look into our hearts about the intentionality in which we're living in. Help us to make a difference in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Steph is going to put up a few pictures today. Have you ever noticed how dog owners start looking like their dogs? I think we have about five of them. Go ahead and just go through them, Steph, there. My big question is, what came first? Like, what is the cause and effect? Do you buy a dog and then somehow start looking like the dog? Or do you seek out a dog that looks like you? I don't know exactly how this works. Uh, regrettably, I have a slightly overweight, uh, scruffly bearded dog at home that's very crabby, and uh, I don't know if that says about me. A, a deeper question for you is, is your pet ugly? You know, because that's rough. That's a rough question, right? There's so many things in life that we kind of question, how, how has that happened? What, why is it like that? And the question of cause and effect is a big question, not only in the world, it's huge in the, in the church. And it's one that we accept very readily in the world. It becomes normative to us that, you know, if I work hard, then there are certain outcomes that will happen. Really, our nation has been built upon that, that if I have the freedom to move forward, that I can become anything that I want to be. Do you know that is a distinctly American idea that at some point we would sit down with our kids and look them in the eye and say, you could be the president of the United States someday. 
It's a very unique idea. And what we're telling our kids is if you work hard enough, if you, if you focus on your school and if you really work, you could be anything you want to be. And that is that whole idea of cause and effect. And yet, we are constantly bombarded by what seems to be the unexpected that transforms and changes what we planned. Everybody knows the last two years is something nobody saw coming, nobody predicted, and yet it sneaks up on us. In talking about this idea of legacy and what we intentionally hand down to other people, today I want to kind of look at the idea of how cause and effect really does make a difference in our families. My wife and I have done a lot of pre-marriage counseling. I, I, I was telling Pastor Mark when I got here, I think I've only done one or two funerals in my life. I think I've done 50 weddings. You know, our, our church has always typically been young. And we always do a session on legacy and really the idea that the choices you're making in your young 20s when you're first getting married, you're establishing and the patterns that you are establishing your family are things that you're establishing to bless your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. But so often, so often our faith and even our existence in life is really all about us. If you look at the very foundations of the gospel, the foundation of the faith, it's not us-focused. It really is focused about everybody else, the great command, the great commission, love the Lord your God, love each other. It doesn't really focus great, greatly on loving myself. Right? The Great Commission, going into all the world to preach, teach the gospel, to hand down to other people this great message that was given to us. It's, it's not about me. It really is. Kingdom living is about other people. So what's really important in the idea of sowing and reaping is found in verse 9. We all accept the fact of cause and effect, but let us not become weary in doing good. Let's be intentional about doing good. Because there will be an outcome at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we just don't give up. If we just don't give up. So today we're going to be kind of breaking it up. So planning for a cause and effect and then the reason why we're all here because then we can trust in grace. We plan for cause and effect but we all are here because we trust in grace. In other words, none of us are perfect. So first, cause and effect shows us that there are consequences for our actions. We all know these consequences. We've experienced them, good and bad. We all know that if we do something bad, there's a, a repercussion that comes on us. I can go outside during the service today. Everybody up here worshiping at the end of the service. And I can go out and I can bust out everybody's windows. Right? And then I can come in afterwards as... As uh, Suzanne is finishing up the last song, and I can ask for your, for your forgiveness. And you can give me your forgiveness, I appreciate it, but the cops are probably going to come pick me up. Right? So, so we understand the joy of grace, but there still is a cause and effect. I, I still have to live out the consequences of the decisions that I've made. I'm so grateful for God's forgiveness and also the ways in which he is able to transform those difficult things, the outcomes that I've had from the cause and effect that I've done. But we all know that there are practices to this thing, that even though there is forgiveness, there's an effect 
effect in our bodies, effect in our minds. The struggle has to be, and I really appreciate Suzanne's message to us today, this idea that there, there may be sins in our lives or things that we're doing. Maybe nobody sees them. We think there's no outcomes. There's no, there's no residual effects of them. There always is. Nobody sees. Nobody knows. There always is outcomes. So don't grow weary in doing good. Philosophers have looked at this idea called the butterfly effect, which is essentially chaos theory that says, well, their great analogy is if a butterfly flaps its wings in the Amazon, it generally can cause a tornado in Kansas. And what? Yeah, it doesn't really make sense, but the whole idea is everything that's happening in this world is cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect, even to the very small, minute portion when they're all put together there's a rain cloud and a tornado starts. Yeah, no. Right? I mean, we're there. Yeah, okay. We, we embrace the cause and effect, but we also know there are times in our lives that we don't get what we deserve. Right? I am so grateful to God that I don't get what I deserve. Right? Because I fail him all the time. I've, I've got a track record of failure. I've got a track record of not being the man of God God wants me to be. And yet, for some reason, he loves me enough. He loves you and I so much that we don't get what we deserve. Cause and effect is not always there for us. There is this opportunity for grace, this transformation from the bad to new life. The fact that he can look at us and do things greater, not even see our failure, and restore in us new things, greater things. That's the true cause and effect, the outcome when we depend upon God's grace. So yeah, really, really difficult things can happen in our lives when we choose to do things that have repercussions in them that are bad. Now, we can start going through the Ten Commandments, and then we can start trickling down even farther through the Old Testament, and then we can go through Jesus and say, see how he then lumps them all together and starts giving us really focused ideas on how even our thinking has cause and effect. But rather than just talking about the bad, which we all accept the fact that when I do things that are contrary to God's will for our lives, negative repercussions come. I want to also look at the fact that our cause and effect motivates us to have an effect in other people's lives. It changes other people's lives in a positive way when we start living for God, when we start depending upon that grace. It does make a difference in another person's life. And that truly is this idea of influence, that the decisions that I can make, the patterns of my life make a difference. Cause and effects motivates us to have reproducible models that bless generationally. And I'm not just talking family or bloodline stuff. Talking about the choices that we make today make such a difference in another life that then makes a difference in another life in a very positive way. Although 
Believers cannot justify themselves by their actions. Good works reflect the love of God and have a central place in the lives of his people. Though we don't deserve it, we get grace. But how do we respond to that? Just practically doing what God desires us to do. Second Chronicles 17.3 Jehoshaphat is the son of David. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father David before him. He did not consult the balls, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practices of Israel. The Lord established the kingdom under his control, and all Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat so that he had great wealth and honor. His heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. Furthermore, he removed the high places and the Asherah poles from Judah. Now, if we read anything about David, and and many of you here have, have read your Bible through the years, you know David's story, but David was not the greatest guy, right? Now, it's wonderful that at some point God would designate David as a man after my own heart. Which is a wonderful thing. I'd love that on my tombstone, right? But he wasn't a great guy. He failed and had huge cause and effect in his life as a result of murdering somebody, as a result of adultery, as a result of just evil practices and leadership. There was huge cause and effect, but yet God's grace came in and transformed. And his son was watching. His son was watching that transformation, and his son stepped into a place of leadership. David had a powerful, multi-generational influence. And you're saying, well, my kids have grown up, or I don't have kids, or I'm single. And I'm here to tell you, every season of life has its opportunities of influence. Today, you have significant opportunities to make a change. God uses me. God uses you for effectual change in people's lives. I was uh, telling Pastor Mark this week, I got off a, a discipleship call. I've been on this call once a week for the last nine months with this guy who came to the Lord in July. He was in Ukraine, and now he's in, he moved to Spain as a result of the conflict that's going on there now, and We've been meeting once a week on Zoom. I got done with it, and I got a a message from, actually, Christine came into the office and said, a good friend of mine, his name is Butch Freeland, uh, was passing away. COVID. Gentlemen, he was a military contractor when we first were in Odessa, Ukraine. Uh, He worked for Raytheon. Older gentleman, got saved in the Navy and had been discipled by another individual on a ship. He then turned around and discipled another person and discipled another person. We became good friends with them, older couple. And Butch pulls me aside at one point and said, Paul, would you mind if we met together weekly and I discipled you? Now, I at that point had already been pastoring like eight, ten years, right? And I'm like, well, okay. And out of the next probably eight months of meeting together, Butch 
developed inside of me what now is my philosophy of discipleship. He developed something inside of me that was so precious and so important to me today about how I'm able to meet one-on-one with men and just influence them and pour into their lives and they pour into mine. And as Butch was passing away, maybe Tuesday, I... One of his adopted daughters of the many that, uh, families that he's kind of adopted in his life was writing on Facebook, if all of you out there who have been discipled or have been influenced by Butch could send a voice message as he's passing, I want to put out all these voice messages. And I was able to send a message to Butch just thanking him for the fact that he discipled me. He formed in me. That's multi-generational influence. Now, I don't know how many dozens of men sent in the message that day or the last things he was listening to as he passed into glory, a life well lived. But it was significant influence multi-generationally throughout all of the world of the people that he has discipled from country to country that he's lived in. So it's more than just family. That today, each and every one of us has a significant power of influence. A significant power to make a difference in people's lives. Deuteronomy 6, a very important passage in the history of Israel. A very important passage for us today. Often called the Shema, the prayer every morning for, for uh, a strict Jew. He would pray Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 9. It's very important that uh, God would establish this for the Jewish nation, that they should pray about what it looks like to influence your family. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Here it is, verse 7. Press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Can you see the intentionality of what it means to multi-generationally affect other people's lives? Here with the good news from God. The passage in the Shema is very clear. Part of Part of our influence also means that at times we need to eliminate certain things from our lives that have a very negative cause and effect. There's so many things that are permissible today, right? I grew up in the church, so this is not a new gig for me, right? I was the guy, I was the kid in Green Bay, Wisconsin, Central Church, Sunday school, Sunday morning service, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, the old ladies were having a tea on Tuesday. I had to go, right? It's the way it was. Always there. And back then, there were so many things that were just off limits. You just don't do this. You don't do this because it's just not profitable. Now it seems it's profitable for us. But I really want to encourage you. There are some things that are very permissible in today's culture, very permissible in today's church, but is it really profitable to you and your family? The things we watch, our entertainment, the way we spend our time. What is truly good for us. And at at times we need to eliminate the things that just don't belong. 
And I don't know if it's necessarily the role of the pulpit to always say what doesn't belong. Most often, the role of the Holy Spirit in our quiet times where God just says, that's not so good for you. You know what I'm talking about? Eliminate the things that don't belong, but also build your legacy through the spiritual disciplines. I so appreciate Pastor Mark, Pastor Mitch, the, the leadership of this church having such a focus on spiritual disciplines in our lives because it's those things that we establish that are eventually the things that we tap into when we need them. It is, it is the posture in which we hand down to those around us. We influence others. The, the role of the Bible in our lives and the role of prayer in our lives is this simply a Sunday experience for you, the Bible and prayer, or is it something that's practical? I really challenge you. The greatest way in which you can grow spiritually, practically in your everyday life is be in the Word and prayer five to seven times a week. Five to seven because nobody's perfect. But just make it a pattern. You want to see, you want to see genuine change? Pastor Mark is an amazing preacher, but he is altogether insufficient for your spiritual growth. He's not here. I can say that. He agrees with me. Be in the Word. Be in prayer. Do those spiritual disciplines. The church community, you're here today, so it's kind of preaching to the choir, right? But is the church an essential component for you and your family, or is it simply an occasional event that you consume, right? Is it an essential component or is it just a consumer mentality? Remember, our faith is not about us. It's really about other people. Also, our faith is realized in crisis. Let me just touch on this before I get to grace. Uh, You know, crisis is always going to come. But when we do the right things, when we put the patterns in place, there is a good that happens as a cause and effect. And when the crisis comes which they do come, you have default patterns of living in place. When you're in the Word five to seven times a week, when you're in the church and have the support and the community and the love, when you are a part of prayer life that connects directly to the Holy Spirit and the voice of God in our lives, when the crises do come, we have a default setting in place. Dan Allender put it this way about leadership, about influencers. It is crucial to remember that for a leader, an influencer, the current crisis is just another incident in a long queue of previous calamities. And those calamities come. We all develop a style of meeting them. If you have a default setting of the spiritual disciplines in your life, when the crises come, you fall back into them. That is a legacy worth handing down. So, you know, we've been talking a lot about cause and effect, and I just have a few more minutes. It, it's something we all know about, but it can be so condemning if all we focus on is cause and effect. The butterfly effect. We, if we always focus upon do better or else, which sometimes the church kind of brings on that posture, and I don't think it's really appropriate, and the posture is stop doing wrong, stop being wrong, right? And as we look at the gospel, we do wrong, therefore we need grace. That's the true heart of the gospel. Cause and effect still tells us stop doing wrong, stop being wrong. Then trust in grace. 
Because there's been some times I've been a lousy father. Right? There's been some times I've not been a very good pastor or I've not been a very good friend or I've not discipled well. There's been, yes, cause and effect, but then God looks at me and gives me grace. And we're all here because of grace. Now, I'm going to go through a kind of a real tough idea real quick, and we're going to try to do it fast. But there's an, such an important idea about cause and effect and grace in Jesus' teaching. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. You have heard it, it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Let, let's just pause there before we move on. Leviticus 24.17 builds this judicial system into Israel's structure and says, now there's an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It becomes an adequate response to evil. So if you do something and another person, they have the right to equally doing something negative against you. And uh, the Romans actually picked it up in about 500 A.D., and it's called the Lex Talionis. It's this idea, judicial law of equality, Because when someone does me wrong, the natural repercussion is I'm going to get you worse. Right? I'm going to get you worse than you got me. And then it escalates and you have the Hatfields and the McCoys. Right? And God says no. So if you get in a fight outside your house and you accidentally destroy somebody's eye, well, guess what? Your eye is going to be taken from you it becomes an adequate response. You accidentally chop down somebody's tree on their, on their property, well, guess what? We're coming for your tree. It becomes an eye for an eye. And all of law is essentially built on that today, right? You get into an, a car accident, you have to repay the value of the other person's car and maybe even, you know, injuries or, or loss of work. It's an equal Equal response to a loss. So God puts that in place. And what is that? That's cause and effect. Right? So Jesus takes this amazing, amazing law that's been put in place. And he doesn't, he doesn't tear it apart. By the way, that does not mean that we all should become pacifists. Right, let's go on. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek... Turn to him, the other also. And if someone wants to, to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away the one who wants to borrow from you. So Jesus says, yeah, that law of eye for eye is in place, but I'm telling you, give even more. Give grace upon grace upon grace. Because that's how Jesus deals with us. We exist in a world of cause and effect. Good and bad in all areas of our lives. And we're all, we've all had the good and we've all had the bad. But then, out of nowhere, Jesus comes with grace. Jesus takes those negative things that we've done and transforms them. Jesus takes the small things that we give to him and our gifts and our abilities and he expands them. And grace becomes powerful. The law was given to protect the innocent, to make retaliation blown away, to take away the powers of cause and effect and make them even. 
And then grace comes in the middle of it and says, I'll change everything. And I'll take what little thing that you have to offer and I'll make it great. I was, uh, Suzanne, you can come. I was very nervous. I, I don't like preaching do better, stop being wrong sermons. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And everybody feels, they walk out like, oh, I really need to do better. I need to be better. And that's kind of the feeling at the end of the day. I, I don't believe that's the intention of our opening scripture, the reaping and the sowing. Those who continue in doing good will reap the benefits in the end game, right? If we don't give up. We don't give up doing good. But rather, the, the outcome of a passage like this, of sowing and reaping, of eye for an eye, I'm telling you, bless and give grace, the outcome of that is to say, I've got to be intentional. I have to be intentional about the days God's given me. And I think that it's really, in, it's really easy in our faith in the faith world that we have, it's to be passive with it. We're, we're intentional about our workplace, we're intentional about our home, we're even intentional about our hobbies. But we become passive about our faith life. I challenge you today to be intentional. To realize the influence that you have far beyond the moment of feelings that you have right now. There are generations watching us. Watching how we live. How, watching how we react to crises. Watching everything that happens in our lives from our entertainment to our conflict. Generations are watching. Our faith is not about just receiving from God. It is about being ambassadors. It's about changing other people's lives. It's about making a difference in this world and being intentional about it. And I don't know what God has for you. Some of you can picture your grandchildren right now because they're in the children's room right now or they're in the back over there. And you start thinking about my effect on them. But some of us, I, ha I can't do that yet. I don't know my effect. We have a huge effect. Stand with me. We're going to close in a word of prayer. About 10 years ago, I preached a series called 30 Days to Live. How many of you have ever heard of a series called 30 Days to Live? Anybody? A couple people? For four weeks, I talked about the idea, what if you knew you only had 30 days to live? How would you live? I think a little differently. <laughs> I take a lot fewer naps. I know that. Right? We'd be so intentional about every single moment, right? About our influence, about our connection, about the ways that we can make a difference in someone's lives. We'd make plans. There's not a lot of time, so we got to make plans. How do I choose to live in these last days? Why, oh why? Would we live any differently now?
my challenge to you today. Have you been passive in your faith? Have you been passive in your influence? God is desiring to use you on a next level. In your family, in your workplace, as a discipler like my friend Butch Freeland. It's a time to be intentional. Grab cause and effect by the throat and say, I want to be a difference maker. Just close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, I just ask today that you would instill within us ideas, even pictures of what it looks like for me, for us to live a different way, to be intentional about the spiritual disciplines in our lives, to be intentional about what we allow into our homes, to be intentional about what we allow into our minds, realizing all of these things have cause and effect. And Lord God, help us then to offer it to you and realize it has behind it the power of your grace. If you've been living in a way that you know is contrary to God's desire for your life, you know today that there's a cause and effect happening because of it. It's affecting your marriage. It's affecting your children. It's affecting your thought life. It's affecting your self-esteem. Repentance is a beautiful way of experiencing the grace and also the cause and effect because what we're experiencing is the new life in Jesus Christ through repentance I'm not going to ask for a, a salvation message today I know pastor does that quite often I'd like everybody to close your eyes right now and I want you to just make a declaration to say I need a change in my life and today is a change change is going to happen in my life today Everybody's eyes closed, so nobody's looking around. It's just you and God, but you want to make a practical exclamation today. Just raise your hand and say, something's got to change in my life today. Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Me too, me too. Don't leave today without the repentance and the decision to make that change. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these moments that we've had together. To look how you have established through all of time's consequences for our actions. And Lord, I thank you for that. Because you show that every decision we have has power. And Lord, I also thank you that though we've made bad decisions, your grace has come in. And Lord, forgives and transforms. And so, Lord, I pray for all of those who have raised their hands today that it says, I want to be more intentional with my life. I want to turn away from sin. I want to turn away from failure. I want to turn into God's best for my life. Lord, I pray that today is a day of new beginnings. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name.
Well, I don't have the prayer in front of me. I feel like I'm supposed to pray Mark's, you know, benediction prayer. I, I forgot. I, was, I printed it out for us today. Do you know I, I've prayed that prayer over my children every single night since they were born? To them, even at college. So cool that I came here and it was here. God bless you, Portview Church. Have a great week. Uh, Thank you so much for serving. Some of you are sticking behind, just want a few moments of prayer. Please find a place of prayer. Otherwise, some uh, individuals need some help out there moving the tent. God bless you, Portview. Have a great week.